Welcome to Shortcut the Sunday. I'm Ben. And I'm Bruce. And this is your podcast for February 28th, 2021, the second Sunday in Lent. Uh, and uh, uh, Bruce, how are you doing today? I'm doing okay. I'm a little disappointed that we're having some snow melt off, but mm -hmm. other people I'm sure are rejoicing, so uh, yeah, uh, uh, may they do so. Right. We are, we are coming to you not live on behalf of Holy Family Episcopal Church in Fishers, Indiana. Uh, so here in Indiana, um, uh, you know, keeping the snow around once the, 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 the streets are passable, kind of a, kind of a, you know, very Midwestern thing. For our friends down in Texas, uh, uh, I am sure that they are thrilled at the 60-degree yeah. weather they're getting today, uh, that they finally started thawing out over the weekend. Uh, and uh, so so for much of the rest of the United States, uh, uh, snow melting is a, <laughs> is, is, is a blessing. Thank goodness it's finally coming. Um, uh, but, uh, but yeah, so, uh, and I don't think we're supposed to get very much more. This is our... This is probably our uh, our snowfall for the year, is is my guess. Could be, could be. So, which is, which is sad. I like I like a, a good. Yeah. Uh, if it's going to be cold, I always say this. If it's going to be cold, there better be snow. Uh, because right. what's right. the point if you're going to be this cold? Um. So. Yeah. That's no. Uh, I gotta say, uh, my first year at Holy Family, and that was three years ago. Um, I started the week before Palm Sunday, and we had quite a snowfall that that week. That is true. So, I remember that. So there is hope. That's right. That's right. Uh, or warning, depending on how this. <laughs> it was an ill omen. It was then. It is now. <laughs> he comes in the death of winter. <laughs> The icy blast of Beware. his breath filled the church. <laughs> Beware the priest that comes during snowfall. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah. we made a snow angel. It's okay. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 a uh, it's weird to it's weird to think. So three years ago, uh, you you came here and you've only actually you know preached to uh, uh, live people for. 66% of that time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. That And that is weird. It is. That's so odd. Uh, it's just, uh, what a weird time. Um, but, uh, but you know, what's not a weird time is, is, uh, is, is Lent. Uh, so uh, we are to, to do our plugging up front. Um, yeah. We're doing, a, we're doing a whole bunch of, uh, whole, whole bunch of things uh, at the church. So uh, there's, there's a lot of Lenten activities going on. Uh, 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 information on our website, hfec.org, Holy Family. What, what, what's the full one? Holy Family Fishers.org. Holy yes. Family Fishers.org. And yep. to clarify, we're not actually doing them at the church. Correct. Most of them are occurring on Zoom, except for the Saturday morning walks, which mm -hmm. the first one was at a big group for. Mm -hmm. um, and they're doing a, a different trail every Saturday around Fishers. So. Obviously, there's still time to join in, and you can see on the website where to meet. And it's 10 a.m. Yeah. on Saturdays through Lent. Yeah, it's uh, uh, my kids very much enjoyed that. Uh, I, I was sadly I was not able to join as I was still doing. <laughs> I was still putting together the church service, uh, mm -hmm. uh, uh, so I was uh, I was busy hunched over. Occupied. Uh, yeah, busy hunched over a computer. 
uh, putting things together. But uh, uh, they loved it, uh, especially the snow trail that really wasn't a trail because it was completely snow covered. Um, uh, there were pathways, but the, the, they were they were enjoying going off into the deep, mm-hmm. the deep deep snow. Um, <laughs> so this so this week we shoot if this uh, if this warmer weather keeps up, uh, we will have um, um, potentially no snow on the ground by by the weekend. So I'd, um, I'd be surprised. That there certainly won't be any on the trails. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'd be surprised if there's any, except in the deepest shade. Right. So uh, so so if that was. If that was not your thing, uh, <laughs> going out into almost a foot of snow, right? Um, totally understandable. Uh, maybe rejoin us this week. Um, but everything else uh, uh, has been going uh, on. If you're if you're still catching up to the season of Lent, uh, feel free to visit our uh, uh, YouTube channel, HFEC Videos. Uh, we did broadcast a uh, live. Uh, church service on Wednesday for Ash Wednesday that is still up uh, and and my understanding is that there's no uh, um, um, spiritual penalty for going back and reviewing uh, the church service that you maybe had had missed correct I'm that's my correct. understanding okay good make sure you're not trying to bet on the outcome like with a pre-recorded football game <laughs> but <laughs> Ten bucks yeah. says Other than that, some there sort is, of technology it can be messed efficacious. up. Efficacious. <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, but yeah. So our Ash Wednesday service is there. Our our first Sunday in Lent uh, was just this uh, this past weekend. That is 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 still visible. Some uh, a fantastic uh, uh, preaching job by Kathy Gray. Uh, yeah, for our Ma- first magnificent Lenten sermon. Yeah, it's only going to go downhill from here. Uh, so. It really is. <laughs> Uh, but then we go back Tough uphill because you know, Lent feeds into Holy Week and 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 Easter, and so I mean, you know, it, it's we got to go downhill in order to go back up, right? <laughs> in other words, you wanted to preach on Easter, okay? <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, um, um, so still a lot of things going on. Uh, Nine a.m. Um, uh, watch party on Facebook. 9 a.m.? 9 a.m., yes. Yeah. Uh, and uh, um, church 8 service. 8 a.m. on Sundays, adult forum on Zoom, where we're talking mm-hmm. about Lent journeys. There's uh, children's uh, Sunday school on Zoom. There's youth yep. group on Zoom. Wednesday nights, there Lenten programming on Zoom. All yep. sorts of stuff happening. Kids have some uh, Lenten activities they can do on their own. Uh, just, a, mm-hmm. just a whole bunch of things going on. Um, so we're, 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 we're connecting any way we can. Um, yeah. So, uh, Bruce, I've got a name for you today that I believe, uh, I believe I will succeed in stumping you, but again, I want to see, well, I mean, names. You want to see me struggle. Go ahead. I'll, I'll names, swap on the line for a while before names you are so much, names are so much harder though. I mean, it, it, it really, it, it, unless it's recognizable or you read a book on them, um, the names are, are, are so much tougher than terms because terms kind of feed into, you know, um, your, your everyday use of, uh, of the, the, your position as a priest. So, um, but the names are so much harder. So I, I don't, yeah. I don't blame you for it. It's just, uh, it's, it's fun to get into, um, some people's lives, uh, that we don't oh, know yeah. about. I'm glad we're doing it. Yeah. It's fascinating. 
So your person today that I don't think you know is Charles Henry Wharton. W-H-A-R-T-O-N. That that sounds familiar. Uh, oh, what a cop out! <laughs> yeah. Familiar, but not just quite. And then when I when I tell you, then you're gonna be like, "Oh, that's right, I totally knew that." <laughs> okay, just tell me who he is. <laughs> no, no, no. I want to. Do you have any? It, it, does anything come to mind? Like, I think it's the. You know, it was this person. Is he or? a guy who worked with children? Um, I mean, I would assume. Uh, okay, that's not what way. he's famous for. No, he's that's not okay. what he's famous for. Um, okay, I'm he, totally off track then. He uh, was born in uh, 1748 and died in 1833. Uh, he is labeled here. The first thing that they say about him before uh, uh, or right after his date of birth, date of death, is that he's an organizer of the Episcopal Church. So I'm assuming that means like part of the early foundation, right? Right. Um, yeah. Uh, he was born in St. Mary's County, Maryland, uh, raised a Roman Catholic, uh, went to a Jesuit college. Yeah, Maryland was a Roman Catholic colony. Yep. Uh, ordained a uh, Roman Catholic priest uh, in 1772, became chaplain uh, to the Roman Catholics at Worcester in England. So he, w- he went from, was born in America served uh uh served his time <laughs> in England uh and then returned to America in 1783 uh because he converted to anglicanism Ang- anglicanism man i cannot uh-huh. speak so far this morning uh he then became the rector of Emmanuel Church in Newcastle Delaware uh he was a deputy to the first general convention in 1785 so that's how long convention has been going on uh, right. And was named a member of the committee that prepared the constitution of the new church. Uh, in 1798, he became the rector of St. Mary's Church in Burlington, New Jersey, where he remained until his death. Uh, um, and Pre-pension uh, fund, yes. Right, right. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, but uh, what, what, what I found interesting uh, about this is, is his, his tie to... Um, the early formation of the Episcopal Church. So uh, tell us a little bit about this process, uh, because not only is he a, a, a uh, former Catholic, which a lot of e- even uh, modern-day uh, modern Episcopalians find themselves to be, um, there, that's, there's, a, there's still a fair right. trend of um, um, Catholicism to Episcop- Episcopalianism, um, but uh, but th- tell us a little bit about this formation. Was it largely an a, an exit from the Catholic Church to 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 form um, the Episcopal Church, or was it kind of like a number of people from different uh, different uh, spiritual walks of life? Well, it it's a fascinating story, and actually in the um, 1980s even pbs did a documentary on this it was interesting Hmm. enough um when the american revolution ended Mm -hmm. england was smarting over losing okay and the episcopal church in the united states is the church was the church of england Hmm. in the united states before there was the united states when it was the colonies it was just church of england churches 
and so when the um, Americans won the revolution, the Church of England got very huffy over in England and basically was saying, well, you did that to us. We're going to cut you off. We are not going to send you clergy anymore. We're not going to ordain people for you anymore. You've decided to go your own way. Adios. And there were all sorts of interesting attempts to reconcile with the Church of England. And it ended up taking decades and decades and decades for that to happen. But what the Americans had to do instead was go to Scotland. Um, the Church of Scotland, which was in full communion and relationship with the Church of England, and basically said, would you sponsor us? And the Church of Scotland said, yes, if your communion service is the same as ours. If you use the Church of England one, no. And <laughs> fascinating. It really, it really is something to read, read about. And so um, we had elected a bishop, um, Samuel Seabury, a man to be bishop, mm -hmm. and first sent him to England because he had even been a chaplain in the British Army. So the Americans thought, well, they'll take him. And they were very rude to him <laughs> and said no. And so then they tried Scotland next, and Samuel Seabury said, yes, I'll do my best to advocate for the church. Church of Scotland's communion service. Um, and so they, at a secret ceremony, made him a bishop because the you know, Church of Scotland knew they could be in some kind of trouble because the whole dynamic around this is that back, we were going to be the first country that was Christian in, in majority of the population that did not have a state church. Hmm. So until the... United States of America was formed, it was treasonous in many countries to belong to any other religion than the state brand of Christianity. Interesting. So that would, the, the technicality the Church of England kept saying is in our service for becoming a bishop, you have to swear allegiance to the crown. And obviously these Americans do not hold that. Right. And basically Samuel Seabury said, can't we just skip that part? And he said, no. <laughs> um, and Scotland worked out a way of him saying the um, oath he had to make in a way that I think I think they changed it to just be the civil authority or something that he wouldn't be beholden to it, but he'd respect it. Uh, hmm. So that that was the key to making the Episcopal Church functional, mm -hmm. and we weren't sure if we were going to end up looking um, in terms of our polity, our structure, more like the Presbyterian church or more like the church of England that we were used to. And ended up we were hmm. more like the church of England, hmm. Presbyterian church, not having bishops instead being very much a, a democratically non-hierarchical structure compared mm -hmm. to church of England. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So it was a, a fascinating process. Um, this fellow whose name I've already forgotten was <laughs> Wharton. <laughs> Wharton. Charles Henry Wharton. Yes. Yeah. Um, he was part of the process of forming the uh, polity, the institutional structure. And one of the things that happened that's also interesting 
is that our the Episcopal Church structure was very much based on what at that point was the structure of the United States. Uh, so we have a, a upper house and a lower house, you might say, though we call it the House of Bishops and the House of Deputies uh, that does all the legislative work uh, for the Episcopal Church. And because of um, that Roman Catholic, we are not dynamic, mm -hmm. our presiding bishop is purposely called a presiding bishop rather than an archbishop and is not nearly as powerful as the Pope in the Roman Catholic tradition or as powerful as archbishops in any other uh, Church of England or offshoot of Church of England tradition. Hmm. We, we purposely made the, the single head person um, be someone who cannot initiate much and can veto nothing. Instead, his or yeah. her job is to carry out the work of the two houses that they've mm. decided to um, be the mission of the Episcopal Church for the period before them. Interesting. There's so much of that. Uh, there's so much that goes on <laughs> in that story. Um, uh, part of me uh, immediately thinks of uh, what would what would uh, Jesus uh, think uh, like. <laughs> Uh, what, what what would we hear from? What would he pen, or what would he uh, 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 orate uh, if he were had been alive uh, during that period of time? And like, I'm just How imagining. How many tables would he have overturned? Cleansing yeah, the I'm just I'm just imagining <laughs> uh, the uh, like the, the the image of like when you pinch the bridge of your nose to fight back a headache. Like that's <laughs> that's the the enduring image I have seared in my brain had he dealt with, you know, whether or not you swear allegiance to the crown <laughs> during your, yeah. your ordination is just like one of those, like, you know, just face palm, uh, yeah. emote, um, through and through. But it's also interesting then to realize that, uh, there's probably a hidden story here for Charles Henry Wharton. If he becomes, if he's ordained a priest in 1772, um, uh, so so he he went to uh, his Jesuit college was in France, so he oh, left he oh, he okay. left in 1760. Um, that would have been before you know any of the events that led to the Revolutionary War. Uh, any of the major ones, yeah, and, yeah. Uh, certainly some grumblings in by 1760, but no, none of the oh, yeah. none of the the ones we learn in history books. Uh, um, you know, the Boston Massacre or any, any, anything uh, like that had transpired yet. And he becomes a priest in 1772. That's like in the thick of it uh, uh, during. Almost. Uh, isn't I mean, it? Because 72 and you know, the real conflict broke out in 1776. Right, right. Yeah. So this is like just as things start bubbling up to the surface yeah. and he serves. So I'm wondering if he, if he fled basically fled to England for to stay out of the war. Uh, possibly I, I, it's the way it reads as though that he stayed over there after um, potentially after he uh, went to college. I mean, obviously there's a 12 year gap between when he goes to the Jesuit college in France and then when he becomes ordained a priest, but he doesn't return 
He leaves in se- in 1760. He doesn't return till 1783. So oh oh okay. So there's like the 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 whole period of the Revolutionary War. He's on the England side, uh, mm-hmm. and then he comes back. Uh, so I it, after a conversion to Anglicanism. Uh, so it, there's. I feel like there's there's a pretty yeah. a potentially pretty decent story there for especially what from uh uh 72 to to 83 of you know how did that conversion go did he leave of his own accord or was he kind of he kind of flee mm-hmm. uh when he realized that was the way he wanted to go you know I mean there this, this could be a much more interesting story uh if we had uh, some more information I think so um Well and be- just just taking a total, total guess. Um, you know, France was an ally of of America, mm-hmm. of the revolutionaries, and it, um, at that point, France was still a Roman Catholic country. They haven't had, had not had yet had their revolution, so it could be that at first, being a Roman Catholic was to be more American than to be a member of the Church of England, mm. but then being so immersed in the um, American formation, he really wanted to have North American roots. And by that point, Roman Catholics were once again under suspicion within North America. Huh. Well, with, yeah, within North America, it's Canada too. Interesting. There's, uh, yeah, there's been a lot of anti-Roman Catholic prejudice through the, well, since the earliest times of Europeans settling in North America. We'll have to find out and uh, plug again that uh, PBS documentary um, yeah. from what? Would you say it was the nineties? I think the eighties. In the eighties, it had the look of. I think I was able to buy it on a VHS tape. Okay. Yep. That's that's Goodness probably going to be. That's probably you know. That's probably going to be the eighties. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, even in the nineties, we we got into at least DVDs. Um, right. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, let's uh, to, to move over to something that definitely isn't on VHS. Uh, let's go to. <laughs> Ooh, good segue, Genesis. Right? Genesis. <laughs> <laughs> All the way back to the original roots of the medium. Um, Rewind uh, the scrolls and hit play. <laughs> scrolls. We're talking tablets, my man. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. All right, uh, Genesis chapter 17, verses 1 through 7 and 15 through 16. When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am God Almighty, walk before me and be blameless, and I will make my covenant between me and you and will make you exceedingly numerous. Then Abram fell on his face and God said to him, As for me, this is my covenant with you. You shall be the ancestor of a multitude of nations. No longer shall you your name be Abram, but your name shall be Abraham, for I have made you the ancestor of a multitude of nations. I will make you exceedingly fruitful, and I will make nations of you, and kings shall come from you. I will establish my covenant between me and you and your offspring after you throughout the gen- their generations for an everlasting covenant to be God to you and to your offspring after you. God said to Abraham, "As for your wife, wife Sarai, your wife. As for your goodness, God said to Abraham, as for Sarai, your wife, you shall not call her Sarai, but Sarah shall be her name. I will bless her, and moreover, I will give you a son by her. 
I will bless her, and she shall give rise to nations. Kings of peoples shall come from her. Um, so we do a little bit of skipping. Um, and if I'm mm-hmm. not mistaken, uh, the skipping is the part where Abram doesn't believe it? Is no! That, no? What are we skipping here? Uh, what's 8 through 14? The, the beginning of the practice of circumcision. Okay, yeah, let's keep it on track. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> sure, sure, sure. Uh, yeah, so, that's that's entirely what those verses are about. So Interesting. Um, so, so it's not and until so after these verses. so even with that, Abraham still was willing to go along. Gotcha. Uh, so so uh, I'm trying to remember, does, does Abram... Abram does not question, but Sarai does. Is that right? Not in this passage. That what's interesting is um, their action, as is often the case in the Hebrew Scriptures. There, there are actually two different versions of God's covenant being mm. made with Abraham and Sarah, um, and so um, a little. It takes a little further along before there's the story of. Um, Sarah laughing. It's a it's another ch- okay. a chapter along, and it's before this that there's a whole nother conversation. A couple chapters before of God talking with um, Abr- Abram, mm-hmm. and so part of the the thought is that again the Bible wasn't written as a history book. Mm-hmm. Instead, the latest the the final editors of the Hebrew scripture said, you know, both these covenant stories tell something that's very important. And so we're going to keep both. Okay. And cool. just yeah. like they're two creation stories, right? Literally one after another. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's not that one's better than the other or one's truer than the other, though. I bet the editors argued about which was better, but they kept both. And <laughs> that's part we would of what argue we over over things, uh, anything religious. That's re- you know anything <laughs> spiritual or religious. That's ridiculous. Um, so, uh, w- one of the things that I like about this story is um, it, it doesn't happen a ton. I'm trying to remember how many it does happen. It obviously happens to Abram and Sarai, and it happens to Saul, who becomes Paul. But the renaming of an individual, I'm trying to remember if it happens anywhere else. Well, there's uh, there's Peter. Yeah, okay, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, um, there are others, and, and more minor characters. Those are the major ones that come to mm-hmm. mind. But, you know, and again... As we've talked about before, a name was sacred. Right. It was the sacred identity of anything, including a human, including a divine figure. So hmm. the renaming is very much God putting God's mark on Abraham and Sarah. Right. Right. It's like this is no small deal. Your your entire being is being shifted by this covenant. And and. The names having meaning was also a, a, a stronger um, um, was, was had more had more importance uh, than I think it does now. Uh, I think a lot of people will like know uh, sometimes what their name means in a certain language, but it's not 
the reason that we get named that that way. You know what I mean? Well, depending on your culture. <clears throat> That's true. Depending on your culture, but it's it's not as prevalent as I I feel it it, it had been in in uh, ages past. Um, what's what's the name significance of 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 this uh, as far as like the, the meaning behind it do, do you well, have there with this okay yes we don't know <laughs> there we we know abram mm-hmm. means a god is mighty okay uh not specific as to which one we don't know what abraham means Interesting. There's so it's been only... all sorts of interpretations and presumptions, but to be completely honest, it, we don't know. So the name meaning was formed as a result of this story. Yes. Because if you look it up, it says you know, father of multitudes or or, right. or something like that. Father of multitudes, father of multiple nations, mm-hmm. but that's completely from context. It's not. There's no linguistic link. To those hmm. definitions. What about uh, Sarah? Um, Is there any? I'm trying to see. Uh, this might also be post uh, princess, uh, um, noble woman. Uh, it, like, that kind of lends itself to be because of the story, because it says that she'll father kings and right. Hmm. Um. I'm not seeing. Yeah, I don't know, to tell you the truth on Sarah. Hmm. I'm going to call my little Bible footnotes here as uh, sexist because they don't say. <laughs> they hit up Abraham, but not, it's not Sarah. Yeah. Um, so, but but that, that makes the, the story, I think, even more interesting then. If, if, if uh, um, the act of, the, the act of, Knowing one's name, uh, um, you know, garners all this power, or, or uh, is 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 the way that they believed, um, and to have your god change your name to something that hasn't existed until that moment, it's 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 def- it's uh, it's I I think a little bit more interesting and powerful than had God said like, no, 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 your name is this, which obviously, as you know, means something. Um, so <laughs> it, it's a lot more powerful for, for God to say like, no, 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 I'm going to create yeah. this, this identity for you. It's, it, I, it's moving forward. It's, this is brand new territory. I totally agree with you. Um, and it's kind of sad that that has, that people have not been comfortable through the centuries, not knowing what's Abraham. And mm-hmm. so rather than taking that as the, as, as meaningful, mm-hmm. they just kind of feel embarrassed and, and pull words out of the following sentences to say, Oh, this must be what it means. But yeah, I, th- I think that a much deeper meaning would be you, you are actually have a novel label. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, because you belong to me, you know, God saying that. Right, right. And that's that's you know, uh, not any. And of course, God's own name uh, is a nonsense word. Right, right, so right. right. It, it makes it to me. It makes it a holier name to not have it be an, a pre-existing word. Yeah, because you one would imagine if your name 
now that I'm saying it out loud or thinking about it, uh, if your name has a specific meaning and you bump into Abraham for the first time, you're like, hi, I'm Pete. What's your name, Abraham? Oh, yeah, father. Are you that? You're that? You're the one? The the father of a multitude? I wonder what God's calling for you is. Hmm. (laughs) You know? I mean, (laughs) it's a... uh, so, so, so it's not as though like uh, uh, going around and sharing this would have necessarily told the whole story of like, oh yeah, okay, well that's it. that's interesting. I see what you're going for here, Abraham. Yeah, <laughs> would, the, people who hear this story from Abraham would have been, wait, what? What? What's that? What kind of name is that? Yeah. Uh, uh, what's <laughs> Abraham? That is—that's nonsense. That's a nonsense right. name. That's not—that doesn't mean anything. What's the matter with you? <laughs> yeah. What, what? Why would you ever have that name? And then there's an opportunity to say. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh. So. So it's also kind of like an opening, uh, a door opening to sharing his story. Well, yeah. this is what happened. God <laughs> came to me. Uh. Changed our names, both me and Sarah, and uh, <coughs> excuse me, gave us a kid when we're crazy old, <laughs> right? And then, of course, his friends would be like, "I noticed that." <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's not your grandchild, <laughs> right? I noticed that that three year old that I've never seen before. What's going on mm-hmm. there? What's the story? So, so Abraham and Sarah are are, are really just a big you know, uh, uh, a walking, Hey, talk to me sign. Uh, like yeah. ask me my story. Um, <laughs> I won't sell you insurance. <laughs> right. Right. I promise. Um, but, but this is, this is, uh, um, and, and of course all this, you know, does come true. I mean, Sarah does give, does give birth, um, uh, to, to Isaac, uh, um, um, Abraham has, where it's just where the, 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 Jewish kingly lineage comes from, right? Um, right. And uh, uh, um, Abraham also fa- uh, fathers uh, Ishmael uh, through through Hagar, and um, that technically has already happened when this occurs. Oh, that's true. That's true. I, I, that's right. I forgot about that <clears throat> uh, because that was the whole the whole thing. I'm like, well, yeah, Sarah's too old, um, uh, and and of course that becomes the the kind of the lineage for uh, the the, the Muslim faith or the the, the, the right. Islam, and uh, yeah, lots of kings, lots of kings from 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 this mm-hmm. uh, this lineage. Um, so uh, uh, definitely does become true. So it, it, uh, one one should celebrate uh, their name that has no meaning. I and now I kind of wish mine didn't. Um, <laughs> far more interesting. Well, you're that that's one of the interesting things with um, Bruce. Is it? It's apparently an old Scottish name, and it has no meaning. <laughs> I mean, there, I like there are all sorts of things that have been added. You know, all sorts of meanings that have been attributed to it. Just, you know, just I think to sell plaques and stuff. But <laughs> I, you know, I'm looking it up here. It says Bruce means troublemaker. So I, I mean, <laughs> I'm inclined to believe it. Uh, One who snores. That's odd. <laughs> yeah, I guess a baby could snore, so you know to name it that. Right, right. <laughs> so, uh, uh, but yeah, um, 
so it, it, if you're listening to this and and you've never uh, looked up your the, the the meaning of your name, it is kind of a fascinating uh, um, thing to see. It, it, it's like I said, it's not done with intention the way that it used to, um, but it is kind of still fun to see um, uh, what what the root of your of your name uh, may may mean in. Um, this region or this dialect or within this group of people. So it's kind of, mm-hmm. kind of fun. Um, so let's move on then to Romans chapter four, verse 13 through 25 for the promise that he would inherit the world did not come to Abraham or to his descendants through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. If it is the adherents of the, of the law who are to be the heirs, faith is null and the promise is void. For the law brings wrath, but where there is no law, neither is there violation. For this reason, it depends on faith, in order that the promise may rest on grace and be guaranteed to all his descendants, not only to the adherents of the law, but also to those who share the faith of Abraham, for he is the father of all of us. As it is written, I have made you the father of many nations in the presence of the God in whom he believed, who gives life to the dead and calls into question existence the things that do not exist. Hoping against hope, he believed that he would become the father of many nations, according to what was said, so numerous shall your descendants be. He did not weaken in faith when he considered his own body which was already as good as dead, for he was about a hundred years old, or when he considered the barrenness of Sarah's womb. No distrust made him waver concerning the promise of God, but he grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God, being fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised. Therefore his faith was reckoned to him as righteousness. Now the words, it was reckoned to him, were written not for his sake alone, but for ours also, It will be reckoned to us who believe in him who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead, who was handed over to death for our trespasses and was raised for our justification. Um, So in this instance, we have something uh, fairly rare, I think, from Paul, which is kind of like a deep dive analysis of an Old Testament reading. Um, he He does reference earlier writings, throughout his works, right? But right. this is fairly extensive. Uh, I mean, this is like kind of going in some, in certain instances, kind of line by line, the story and breaking it down a little bit. And that's generally unusual for him. I, I can't think of another story that he deep dives this way. Um, I'm sure you're about to tell me that there is one, uh, but yeah. uh, <laughs> <laughs> but I can't I'll think of one. You. Usually, usually he's he's you know working on his own uh, narrative or um, uh, uh, working on um, uh, Christ centric stories uh, when when he gets into it. Not necessarily uh, old writings to this degree of detail. Right. Yeah, because. Um... Again, over and over, his letters are not addressed to people of a Jewish background. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, he doesn't too often hit 
on stories that are prime primarily Jewish because his audience wouldn't know them. He'll instead refer to Greek philosophy or Roman theology and that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, uh, so he does still do a kind of a little bit of this early uh, on here. What's when he's talking about the law uh, remind us, I think we've had this conversation somewhere here in the relative recent past uh, because he, this is a theme, a, a recurring theme that he comes back to discussing the law, quote unquote. Um, and it's, we need kind of need that term clarified or, or, or distilled a little bit so that we kind of understand his point of view. So can you remind us when he's talking about the law, what that is? No. <laughs> <laughs> nope. You're on your own. Please uh, listen back to the last six or seven and find it. Uh, podcasts. Uh, past six or seven podcasts and you'll find no, find that answer of course i'm joking <laughs> uh, the um one of the things to keep in mind is that uh, the law as paul uses it and he uses it actually in, in a couple in a couple different ways it's not the ten commandments it's mm -hmm. not the holiness code in Leviticus, it's instead the covenant with God. Okay. That, that Abraham made, um, that Abraham agreed to. And so it's, um, you know, it, it's, it, it's almost like you have to turn your brain around and say, mm -hmm. okay, this isn't a legal code that's being referred to here. It's instead, right more like a marriage vow that okay. a relational promise between Abraham and God that um, everyone with, from all of Abraham's descendants, both physical and spiritual got get the benefit from. Well, um, and, 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 and you were kind of pointing out that, so it's, it's the covenant that he makes, uh, which is a word that um, is, is fairly prevalent in, in uh, the the Bible, in in, in this um, um, in this rendition yeah. of the Bible, it's used a lot. <clears throat> so, and that's kind of what you're talking about, right? It's a covenant, uh, right. covenant, uh, uh, marriage vows, kind of like similar concepts. Um, Very much so. Law, the law in our in our modern translation uh, would enact different meanings. Why doesn't he just use the same word that you know the that that is apparently used for for covenant. Why it, why why so drastically different? I mean, because clearly we could have, we could have just put in the word covenant here. Why 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 do we have the word law? Because in Paul's time they were almost synonyms. So okay. it was just to make more interesting writing in many ways. Hmm. Um, but also he is trying to make the point that. And especially as a Pharisee, as his training in the Pharisee tradition is if you're trying to find the, you know, what I often call the checklist of righteousness, you're, mm -hmm. it doesn't exist. And people, even today, try to do that, whether they're Christian or Jewish or any other faith, probably. Um, and so that's one of the reasons why Paul will talk about the law in a way that says it's it's not enough. Mm -hmm. And certainly Paul sees 
Jesus' death and resurrection as fulfilling the covenant that Abraham made in, in a fashion that no one anticipated. And so the former covenant has, uh, has taken on a much um, further back seat than the, the mm-hmm. new covenant uh, that Jesus unveiled in his resurrection. So, so essentially, the, so the background story here then is Paul is trying to create an argument, a, 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 um, a, a spiritual, in, a, in, in the form of a spiritual discussion, uh, a religious discussion about, okay, it's not, you know, the, the covenant has, has, you know, been altered. It, it's, it's been changed as a result. He's trying to make the argument that it's now shifted. And one of the things that he's talking about is here, at least when we, we first enter this reading, is that, you know, the covenant is not the thing that's doing the work. Uh, you know, the, the promise right. is there. Uh, but if the promise is simply adhered to, you know, there, there was, there, it, it doesn't require much on behalf of the participants of the covenant to actually, you know, fulfill the covenant. You just kind of have to exist there. <laughs> and it, but, but it's the faith, uh, uh, that, uh, and the belief structure around, um, and, and, and uh, around this that makes the covenant work. Uh, uh, the lineage of Abraham uh, um, saw fulfillment because of the belief and the personal relationship with God. Um, right. It wasn't just, hey, this is what's going to happen. And Abraham said, oh, that's great. And then never gave it another thought, <laughs> you know, yeah. or it's a- didn't didn't have to believe in God. His descendants didn't have to believe in God anymore or, or, um, uh, be mindful of, 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 uh, what they were doing. There was, there's a constant buy-in and he's trying to shift then the argument away from it's not the covenant. Don't worry about that covenant. We have, this is, you know, Jesus is, has, has come and has died and has been risen from the, the dead. Uh, it's different now. <laughs> Yeah, and my, what would be, okay, this is going to sound off the wall maybe. It would be interesting if Paul were writing today, what would he write on this issue? Because I think what he would write would be along the lines of, just as 2,000 years ago, people fell away from God but insisted they were fulfilling the law, too many of you supposed followers of Christ are doing the same today. Hmm. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. that um, a lot of Christians think if you put the Ten Commandments on the wall and follow them, you're a good Christian. And you're probably a better human being, but there's more to the the covenant with Christ than than simply doing the minimum Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. of of good behavior. Instead... Christ seeks out a very active relationship with each one of us. It's like the dying marriage in which each partner can say, I've never cheated on you. I've always been honest with you, but I don't love you anymore. Mm. 
Mm-hmm. And that's what Paul's fighting against here in terms of people's relationship with God. And I think Paul would still fight against it today. Well, uh, yeah, I, w- I would think so, too. He'd be armed with even more language, which would be right. dangerous. Uh, but <laughs> um, <laughs> but he'd have punctuation. <laughs> he would have punctuation. Uh, we would we would we would school him in the ways of run on sentences uh, and and uh, it would be a little bit uh, more easy to read. Um, but uh, uh, but I think you're right, because it's it, that that's the active struggle uh, and recognizing yeah. that that's the active struggle is, you know, um, kind of the 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 base of probably the base of a good relationship with God is that recognizing that it's not just, it's not the checklist. It's not the do this, do this, do this, and we're good. It's the, the constant, um, uh, uh, constant faith, the constant checking in the constant, uh, communication, build up the relationship just like a healthy marriage. Right. Uh, more so consistently consistently uh thinking about uh who you are how you fit in how your actions matter to those around you what you do what you say it's um it's tiring but that's the 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 good work that he would probably continue to call us all to do and it's hard yeah but the other part is that if you're actively living out that covenant god is energizing you in it Right. Okay. Yeah. 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 And you and so, might might reveal some things that one can drop from one's life so that one's not so tired. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, anything else about this uh Pauline letter that you'd like to point out? Well, just because of time, we should probably move on. Okay. I wasn't sure if there was like a oh, there's this really interesting thing about this word <laughs> that he uses. Um there usually is. Uh, there usually but, uh, is, but we should. Nothing that jumps off the page. Um, well, then let's move on to uh, Mark chapter 8, verses 31 through 38. Then he began to teach them that the Son of Man must undergo great suffering and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the scribes, and be killed, and after three days rise again. He said all of this quite openly, and Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But turning and looking at his disciples, he rebuked Peter and said, Get behind me, Satan, for you are setting your mind not on divine things, but on human things. He called the crowd with his disciples and said to them, If any want to become my followers, let them deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For those who want to save their life will lose it, and those who lose their life for my sake and for the sake of the gospel, will save it. For what will it profit them to gain the whole world and forfeit their life? Indeed, what can they give in return for their life? Those who are ashamed of me and of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of them the Son of Man will also be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. Um, so this, this story... Um, Again, Mark was the first gospel written, uh, and is right. a little. A lot of the stories are a little truncated. Uh, there are there, this one does appear. I'm pretty confident in at least one other gospel, and it has a little bit more um, wording it, behind it, right? Yeah, it, it occurs in both Matthew and Luke. Yeah, okay. fleshed out. I was 
was gonna guess Luke, but uh, wasn't confident on it. Um, so yeah, it, it's a little bit more longer of a storyline. This look, Peter does a very natural human thing here. Um, so um, uh, pulling him aside, uh, it says rebuke him. Uh, I'm I'm wondering how strongly he actually rebuked <laughs> the son of man. But, uh, but you know, hey, seriously, like, we, we would do this as well. Like, wait, you're going to die? Like, that's, let's, don't do that. Don't do that, Jesus. That's crazy. Don't. <laughs> now, one of the interesting ways to translate this word from the Greek is forbid. Mm. <laughs> so very much oh, what yeah. you were just saying. Okay, so 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 Peter's like, well, then we're not going. <laughs> no, it, it's not, more like you are not allowed to do that, young man. <laughs> uh, so so then Jesus's rebuking line should really be like, "You're not my real dad." Um, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, it, it's it's a again very very human of peter uh we would find ourselves probably saying this in a similar situation i mean well it's and, not really a knock on peter to let's let's be honest yeah and both um both the word that <laughs> peter uses and then jesus uh, both the word used to describe peter's reaction to jesus and then jesus reacting to peter are the same okay so so jesus, jesus just keeps stands it at the same ground. temperature level right 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 <laughs> you're not going anywhere young man oh yes i am young man yeah <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah or, um, you're you're not the boss of me <laughs> right right <laughs> don't forget yeah, that so, sometimes people um treat this as a well you know peter peter was all nice about it and just did, wants the best for him and jesus gets all in his face but actually he's a <laughs> equal level of emotion and vocabulary right. right uh and and to be perfectly honest on mark's behalf who cares what peter said <laughs> <laughs> What Jesus said was is certainly going to be the far more interesting thing uh, because, um, you know, Peter didn't win this argument. Uh, so it, had Peter won this argument, maybe we would care what what yeah. uh, what interesting free, you know, thought process he had or what his argument was. Uh, but uh, he didn't win this argument, so we don't care. <laughs> um, I, I'm curious about a couple of words here in this reading. One is in verse 34, when Jesus says to the crowd, <clears throat> take up their cross and follow me. Is it, yeah. is that actually the direct translation word? Like it, cause it definitely does seem like a word that is um, maybe added after the fact, or maybe Mark added it after the fact, cause obviously he's the author. He knows how the story ends. Um, but I kind of wonder whether or not Jesus used this word for foreshadowing or not. Is there any indication as to what word is actually used here? Did, did we add the word cross or? Well, he, it says that, um, I've been looking at so many of 
different gospel versions. Well, let me make sure I have the right one here. Um, yeah, he said this quite openly. Um, that there's no reason not to think that Jesus used the term cross. Okay. Because it, you know, in verse 31, Mark says, and this is repeated in Matthew and Luke as well, that he spoke quite plainly about how mm -hmm. he was going to mm -hmm. suffer under the priests and, um, mm -hmm. uh, and be killed. And so, you know, there were only so many ways, well, yeah, there were, all, there were only so many ways someone in Jesus's um, level in society would be killed. The cross is one of them. There are mm -hmm. other torturous ways that could have been utilized. So it's, it's certainly, I don't know if Jesus knew he was going to die on a cross, but it was a very, very common image um, mm -hmm. in the land that Jesus was walking through to have crosses set up at the at major crossroads with people dying on them or dead mm. on them. And there okay, is so an example. There's no, there's no indication that this language was a little bit softer um, in, in its original meaning then. Uh, in, in other words, he uses, because I've heard some people say, or I think I've read somewhere <clears throat> that uh, it was, he's more talking about a burden, right? The burden, uh, right. take up, take up this burden and follow me. But, there's no there's no reason to believe that he wasn't um, taking this to eleven <laughs> the way that it reads um, uh, because you know no 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 it, like you're gonna have to you know run the risk of death and 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 join me but the part of the context here is that was a daily you walk out your door and that's what you were doing because the mm. Romans. The Romans were so harsh that anything could. Yeah, every every day you took your life in your hands if you left the basically if you left your family. Hmm. If you when you stepped out the door, you were in Roman territory, and gotcha. Roman soldiers got to do anything they wanted to you. Hmm. Uh, so, <laughs> I mean, so yes, it, it's it's not quite turning it up to eleven. But let's say it's turning it up to 10. Their daily life was at 8 or 9 anyway. Gotcha. Okay. So it is more shocking for us today. <clears throat> Definitely more okay. shocking than it would have been to his listeners. Uh, and then what about um, the use of the word gospel in 35? I, I, I'm, I'm kind of curious. We use the word gospel constantly. Uh, you know, we use it at least once a week because it's the gospel reading. Right. Um what does that word actually mean? I, I don't know how many of us actually know the meaning of this word, because it seems odd for the gospel of Mark to use the word gospel in his gospel writing. You know what I mean? It seems yeah. like almost, uh, almost um, uh, self-aware. Um, uh, what does the word gospel mean? A good, the way we often translate it is good news. Um, okay. More literally, it's good message. Okay, was this a fairly common term um, that, it, it or, was, or was it always about with a religious nature or uh, a spiritual I see what nature? Saying. No, it didn't have to be a religious nature. Okay, okay, okay. And so, and in you know, technically, it's not. Uh, yeah, it's not 
a proper noun here. If mm -hmm. you're, um, I'm not, I'm just looking to see. Yeah, this is interesting to people listening to me going. Um, <laughs> yeah, it this translation that we have that we'll be using on Sunday does it accurately, which is a lowercase g. So, yes. yeah, okay. Mark's not at this point trying to refer to what he's writing. It's instead gotcha. the this um, wonderful message that Jesus is trying to share and, and will share by example hmm. so it, it, it's kind of interesting then to to imagine that you know this in all likelihood then this is the word that you know that jesus may have actually used and so it's interesting then to think about that jesus is using the terminology of hey you know this is the good news that i bring to you uh and this term is not something this is not branding on my part uh right to, uh, uh, or to, you know, sell my message in any way. It's just purposing a term that then does become kind of a brand. It, it, it at, kind of after the fact that it, it, it was yeah. so, so used probably by Jesus and his followers, uh, maybe even kind of like a, a, a secret, uh, kind of like a secret handshake perhaps, uh, since, since uh, um, some of this message was was not welcome mm -hmm. in the Roman kingdom, um, it's possible that that this might have even been uh, used as code, uh, so that people knew what he was talking about without having to openly refer to it. Uh, um, and, and well, uh, yeah, it would be safer than saying Jesus Christ, right? Uh, yeah, but it it was probably a hot term pretty early on. I mean, okay. hot isn't dangerous to use. Gotcha. But, uh, but yeah, it's just interesting to see, to, to, to realize then that this word then does have very much a, a, an afterlife after being spoken and maybe even, um, written down somewhere, um, that it grows into a capital G. Um, you know yes, what I mean? Definitely. So that's, that's kind of interesting, uh, then to see, um, all right, we're, we're, we're running a little long, so I, I hate that. I don't mean to cut off the gospel uh, discussion, but uh, anything anything else that you want to point out about uh, this this story uh, before we go and eagerly await uh, your uh, musings on uh, the um, lectionary readings in the form of your, your homily? Pressure. <laughs> no um... pressure. <laughs> Better not be bad. <laughs> I'll, I'll save it for the sermon. How's that? <laughs> there you go. There you go. There you go. Um, but yeah, th this is this is a uh, um, this kind of th this this reading does kind of inform the previous is it, is part of the previous two discussions, uh, which is. Uh, the previous two readings, which is an, always interesting to see. Sometimes the lectionary readings don't always uh, um, add up into a nice, tidy through line, but... Uh, um, Lent tends uh, to do it, though. Yeah, yeah. Paul definitely uh, kind of uh, 
is the precursor to uh, this discussion. It kind of refers uh, a little bit to the, the, the first reading and a little bit to the gospel reading. Uh, and then the gospel reading kind of rounds it out kind of nicely. Um, so, um, but yeah, we look forward to then uh, a, a more thorough uh, discussion about um, covenants and the promise and taking up our cross. Uh, oh um, God, that sounds a... dreadful. <laughs> To 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 have to to be that uh, that daily communication to be that daily mindfulness. Uh, yes, that's that's that better. Um, <laughs> see, this is why I am not the priest. Uh, <laughs> uh, so, uh, with that, I think we'll end our podcast for uh, February twenty eighth, twenty twenty one, the second Sunday in Lent. Uh, and, uh, as mentioned before, you'll be able to, to catch all of our, uh, goings on at our website, holyfamilyfishers.org, uh, and on our YouTube channel, HFEC videos. Uh, you can always contact us if you would like at shortcut at HFEC.org. Uh, and until next week, I'm Ben. And I'm Bruce. And we'll talk to, with you then. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.